are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian, along with my co-host, Matt. Um, we are coming to you on October 10th, which is a Saturday. We are going to do this a day early because the ALCS is starting on Sunday, which is tomorrow. Uh, so we wanted to get this out to you guys. But before we jump into everything, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, just chilling, uh, watching some football this afternoon. My Auburn Tigers play in Arkansas and, um, you know, taking a little break from baseball because there's no baseball today and tomorrow. I was thinking we might at least have one of the uh, division series games go five games and have a couple baseball games today. But uh, that didn't happen. So we'll... Uh, we got we got some uh, we got some focus on football this afternoon for me, but right now I'm ready to talk some baseball. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm ready to uh, to start some football today and tomorrow um, before tomorrow night we get that uh, the ALCS starting. Uh, get get the Laker game back on tomorrow. Hopefully they can close that out because I was very disappointed in their uh, performance last night. But uh, yeah, I mean, starting tomorrow night we got what eight straight days of baseball if necessary. Because yeah, um, there's seven, sure. seven straight for each series if they have to go to seven games. Um, hopefully, for my sake, they don't because uh, I don't want to have to deal with the game seven. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it's going to be a very fantastic, fun week. I mean, we uh lots and lots of baseball to uh, to come. Absolutely. It's it's going to be really fun. I'm, uh, I'm excited. We're going to have some f- cool matchups. Um you know, a couple teams in there that are weren't, weren't especially expected to be in there at the start of the season. A couple teams that were favorites, and uh, let's get this rolling. Yeah. So just before we start, we wanted to. Uh, there's a little snippet about this episode. So this episode is actually number ten for us, which is pretty funny because on the date we are recording it, it is ten ten of 2020. So it's just really weird how that all date <laughs> aligns with all of our shows. It's just yes. very weird. That is weird. I, I you just mentioned that a few minutes ago, and I was like, "Whoa, that's that's pretty crazy." So, um, it's interesting stuff there. <laughs> baseball gods are giving us a sign, right? Um, well, let's just go ahead and start. We're going to start with the National League um, today. Let's jump over with the Braves and Marlins uh, to start with. This is uh, your team versus the Marlins, which I picked the Marlins, and trust me, I know you let me hear about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But game one, I mean, game one was probably the most exciting game of this series. Uh, the Marlins went up, what was it, 4-1? 4-1 early. And then, yeah, and then Sandy Alcantara decided to hit Ronald Acuna with a 90-something mile-an-hour fastball inside. Um, and that seemed to wake up the Braves, right? Yeah, um, Ronald Acuna uh, was at the plate. And teams have pitched him inside a lot this year. And, and in the past, too, I think that's probably the biggest hole when you're when you're pitching to Ronald Acuna is to throw inside. Um, and Sandy Alcantara is a hard thrower, but he let a pitch get away from him. I don't think it was intentional, but uh, it woke up the Braves because this is the fifth time in Acuna's short career since 2018 when he came up that he's been hit by the Marlins. So Acuna's getting a little bit frustrated about it, especially since the first one of those was intentional uh, by Jose Urena back in 2018. So... Basically, uh, the team just got fired up after that. Acuna went to first base. He was he was fine after the hit by pitch. He didn't have any kind of injury or anything, and he stole second immediately. And the Braves woke up and scored a couple runs in that inning, and uh, they never looked back in the series. They they ended up 
winning that game uh, nine to five. They scored six runs in the seventh inning. Travis Darno hit a really big homer in that game, which uh, we'll be talking about him in just a few minutes. But uh, this was a uh, this was a, a really good game for the Braves. Great comeback. Uh, you know, it kind of looked frustrating early on with the Marlins going up four to one. You might you were thinking, uh oh, this is gonna be a series for if you're a Brave on the Braves side of things. And after that hit by pitch, I mean, it just changed everything. Yeah, I mean, and that really, that was the only game that the Marlins scored a run. Um, and just shout out to the Braves pitching, like we've been talking about. They, uh, in their first five games in this postseason, they have had four shutouts. And that's the first time that, that that's happened since the 1905 Giants. Um, so big shout out to, you know, uh, Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright. They had two fantastic games to back up in uh, game two and three to really continue that uh, Braves momentum that's been happening since game one. Oh, absolutely. Kyle Wright looked really good in game three. That's one of my keys to this Braves team is whether or not Kyle Wright can step into that number three spot because we've seen through the regular season and the early in the postseason that Max Freed and Ian Anderson are really pretty solid as, as being good starting pitchers. But Kyle Wright's been really inconsistent this year. And when we preview the Braves Dodgers NLCS, we'll talk a little bit about Kyle Wright a, a little bit more. But um, this is a guy who in, in this game, in game three, had six innings pitched, three hits, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. And that's by far his best line of the season. In September, he started to look a little bit better, but he wasn't able to do a, a game where he, you know, pitched six shutout innings and the strikeout to walk ratio there was his best of the year. So I was really impressed with Kyle Wright in that game. Yeah, and, and Ian Anderson, I mean, he even gave you guys five and two-thirds innings, uh, zero runs, eight strikeouts, one walk, three hits. Uh, you know, just another fantastic outing from Ian Anderson. I mean, he's really proving that he can be a stud in this lineup and or in this rotation. Um, so this rotation is going to be scary, especially when they can get Mike Soroka back if he can be, you know, healthy next season. Uh, that'll be big. But, but we don't want to we don't want to just totally throw the Marlins aside. They did have a guy Pablo Lopez in this series who looked very good as well. Um, five innings, he gave up three hits, seven strikeouts, no walks, um, did give up two runs, but just very solid. I mean, we, we said this Marlins team was inexperienced and their pitching staff was, was young and they were going to have to work their way into postseason baseball, which we all know it just the intensity and everything. And he looked very good uh, in the, in that his start. So big shout out to Pablo Lopez and uh, we'll definitely be hearing from the Marlins soon. Oh yeah, for sure. And Pablo Lopez looked, like I say, he looked good. He gave up the two home runs, but um, I expected the Marlins to have a game or two where they really had a, a young starting pitcher throw really, really well in this series. And Pablo Lopez was the guy who really did it. I mean, uh, seven strikeouts to no walks. That's that's tough to do. The Braves are a pretty patient lineup, and they do walk a lot. So, um, you know, he did give up the two home runs, and but the the real problem there was that the Marlins' offense didn't back him up. Um, and I know in game three, one of the guys that did super well in, in the first series, the wild card series against the Cubs was Sixto Sanchez, and he, he really struggled. So um, I thought that was a, a big factor as well, that they needed Sixto to pitch really well in the series. Yeah, he just lost command. I mean, he just didn't look like he had anything. I mean, that's been a, a thing with Sixto is that he doesn't have great command. Um, but three innings, four hits, three walks, and two strikeouts. Um, you know, you just expect a little bit better from Sixto, but I mean, young, inexperienced, a team that in the playoffs, that's what we're talking about. Nerves just got to him and, you know, he'll, he'll, he's a better pitcher than that. And if he gets back to the playoffs next year, I'm sure he will do a lot better than that line. 
Oh, for sure. He's he's going to be a really good pitcher. He's just inexperienced and he's learning. So. Yeah. Well, that pretty much wraps up that Braves Marlins series. Um, in our predictions, you had Atlanta in four and Miami in four, and I had Miami in four. So. Yep. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that we also had the we were going to do for each series. We're going to do a player oh, okay. of the series. And uh, in this one, there's nobody it could have been other than Travis Darno. This guy hit 600 in this series with a 692 on base percentage, a 1400 slugging percentage, and a 2.092 OPS, which is just absolutely off the charts. He hit two big homers. Uh, he hit the go-ahead homer in game one. He hit a home run in game two, uh, which was just a two-to-nothing game. So he was accounted for half the Braves' runs at game two. Uh, had a couple doubles. Um, he broke game three open with with one of those doubles. Um, and he had three walks to one strikeout, which is big for him because he's a guy who has struck out a lot this year and uh, had seven RBIs in the series. He, he was incredible. And uh, that coming from the catcher spot is very, very impressive. So shout-out to Travis Darno for having the – Best uh, best player in this series, for sure. Yeah, and shout-out to Alex Anthopoulos for that signing in the offseason. Um, I think, what was it, a two-year $16 million? Uh, it was like $8 million a year, I believe. I believe uh, so. He had a great second half with the Rays the year before, and then when he signed at the Braves, people were like, man, well, why did we sign him? Like, But he's turned out to be a really good catcher this year that who's actually turned around to hit a lot when he was with the Mets he was known for being more of a defensive first catcher that really couldn't I mean he'd have little streaks but he could never put a season of hitting together and ever since he went to the Dodgers and then to the Rays and then now to the Braves he's uh he's found out his swing and it's 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 pretty cool to see for him yeah for sure well since I forgot about the player that we of the series uh let's now move on to the Dodgers versus Padres series um you had the Dodgers in four in this series. I had the Dodgers in three, uh, and the Dodgers did pull off the sweep. Didn't wasn't too controversial really. Um, there was a big game too, which we'll talk about. But uh, you know, we got first. We have to bring up with the Padres is that they did not have Denilson Lamette on this roster as well. Um, they did think that they were going to have Mike Clevenger and actually had him start game one, um, but he only made it an inning. Uh, he had one inning, three walks, with a strikeout. Um, and when he came out for that second inning, his velocity was, I mean, he threw one pitch and it was at like 90 on a fastball and they immediately just pulled him from there. Yeah. Clevenger really needed to be a big factor in the series with, especially with Lamette out because the, the Padres ended up and we'll talk about in a minute. They had that bullpen game in game three. That was a disaster. Gave up 12 runs. And I mean, if you have Lamette and Clevenger healthy, then that probably doesn't happen in game three. And uh, we'll talk about game two here in a second. And that that game was, you know, up for grabs. So if you had Clevenger pitch well in game one and then game three, you had, a, you know, maybe a Lamette or maybe Lamette starts game two and, and you have uh, Davies start game three or something, then it, you could have had a pretty good, uh, pretty good rotation there. And, and this series would have been a lot more competitive. But those injuries just killed the Padres. I mean, you can't go up against this Dodgers team with, with their pitching and expect to be able to outscore outscore them if unless you've got like elite pitching of yourself and uh the Padres just didn't have that in this series so yeah and it it was really a big struggle for the the Padres big two guys um Tatis and Machado they did not do great at all this series um you know Machado had a big homer off of Kershaw in game two but outside of that Tatis and Manny really didn't do anything 
Yeah, the their stat line, they went a combined four for 23 with uh, that one home run you mentioned, and then uh, three walks out of two guys who walk a lot, and then uh, six strikeouts really wasn't that bad, but I mean, it was just a lot of um, a lot of weak contact and get a lot of outs for these two guys, which is totally unexpected there. Um, game two, we had uh, probably the wildest game of the, of the division series. Um, I don't know if it was the best game of all of overall in the division series because of the game five we had between the Rays and Yankees. We'll get to a little bit later, but this was the most, this was the most uh, exciting game of the, of the, of the postseason so far, probably. Um, the Dodgers won at six to five, but uh, you had a Dodgers jump up to a quick lead. And then, um, you know, Kershaw and, and you mentioned Kershaw looked really, really good for five and two thirds innings. And then playoff Kershaw happened and the Padres hit back to back homers off of him between uh, that one Machado homer and uh, Hosmer hit one off of him as well. And uh, that was a problem for Kershaw. Yeah, Kershaw, I mean, like you said, he looked good for five and two-thirds, and actually the pitch that Machado hit was a slider down and out of the zone, really. I mean, it was almost at his shins, and Manny Machado is just very good at being able to go down and get that ball. Um, the Hosmer pitch was just a, a, a slider that didn't break away, and it just stayed right over the heart of the plate. But, you know, Kershaw, six innings, giving up those three runs, but before that he'd only given up one, um, six strikeouts. But... What really started the series is on that Manny home run. You know, we've talked about Slam Diego. They are just very energetic, and they are they they bring the energy and they never stop. And when he Machado hit that home run, he turned around and he threw his bat to the dugout and you know started getting their them hyped up because they had been really quiet up until that point in the series. Uh, and then Hosmer to hit another home run right after that, it really got the Padres going. Um, and then they brought in. It was right after they pulled Kershaw. They brought in Bruce Dargraderall to face Fernando Tatis, and this has to be probably the play of the playoffs so far. Um, Bruce Dar throws a 99 mile an hour fastball right down the middle, and Tatis turns on it, takes it to dead center field. Uh, Cody Bellinger runs, I believe they said on Statcast it was 97 feet that he ran to the wall, and at the wall he jumps up, robs the home run. But it wasn't just like a straight. He actually jumped four feet to his left to rob the home run at the time when he, from where he jumped to where he landed um, and took that. It was a game. It would have put the Padres ahead, honestly. And then they all, the, you know, Dodgers started bringing their emotion. Bruzdar threw his hat and his glove and everything. And then Machado and the Dodgers, they all started going back and forth. And it really just, it brought the energy back to this series. Yeah, that was that was a crazy play. I, I I don't know if there's any way that somebody is able to make a better play in this postseason, especially at a time like that where your your team is about to go down by two by a run in in a postseason game and you know in, in a swing game in the series because you know if the Padres win game two and split and split the first two, you never know what might happen after that. But um, that was the backbreaker for the Padres game two. Uh, after that, they they still had a chance to come back. Kenley Jansen looked horrible in game two. And, and yes. you know, you might be able to elaborate a little bit on his inconsistency in the postseason so far, but Kenley Jansen looked horrible. He gave up two runs. Uh, just his cutter was, wasn't, didn't have great velocity. He was getting hit around. Um, then they brought in Joe Kelly, who's our, uh, 
who's our uh, favorite Astro hater <laughs> out there, um, to uh, leave the bases loaded uh, after he walked two guys. So, I mean, they were able to survive this game, but that was uh, that was not a very good uh, that was not a very good outing from Kenley Jansen, and that's something that's going to be worrisome for the Dodgers moving forward. And you know, you can elaborate a little bit on what you think they should do there. Because I'm not really sure what what their other options are. Well, I mean, Kenley hit 94 in that game, um, so it wasn't a velocity problem. Uh, it's just that his mechanics are off right now. Um, we've said he is a big guy, and he his, if his mechanics get off a little bit, it really throws him off sync. Um, he's really struggled with that the last couple years. Um, I really feel like ever since he had that big heart scare going to Colorado, yeah. it's really kind of it's really kind of changed. Kenley um, but I mean they have options I mean Kenley didn't look great but I still trust him if that makes any sense I mean he he has these games where he looks really bad but then he'll look really good again um, so but Dave Roberts has already said that he he trusts Kenley still in those positions but he's not always it's not always going to be Kenley in those positions um, I expect Blake Trinan to get you know, some if the game dictates it. Um, they've been really seeming to bring, bring Trinan in in like the fifth or sixth and let him go in any or two and kind of just set everything down. Um, I could guy. see I could see Bruzdar. Um, you know, they like to bring him in these high leverage situations. They brought him in against Tatis at that point. Uh, but he's a guy who I could see be a closer as well um, if, they, if they needed to. Uh, Joe Kelly, I mean, I know they brought him in in that situation. I don't really expect them to bring Joe Kelly in safe situations just because he does struggle with command a lot. Um, but, I mean, they do have options uh, yeah. for that time. Of course, you bring in Joe Kelly there because you've already used Greater All and, and uh, right. Trinan, so you yeah. had to bring somebody in because Jansen was definitely going to blow that game. He just didn't have it, and Joe Kelly was the guy that they were able to bring in. So, um, yeah. And uh, real quick, let's talk about uh, in game three. Um, I know you wanted to talk about Will Smith. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, he went five for six, um, but he is the first catcher ever to have a five-hit game in the playoffs, and he's also the ninth player ever in postseason history to have a five-hit game. Um, so something that that's it, just really surprising. Not only being a catcher and having a five-hit game, but the ninth player ever in postseason history. I mean, think about how long baseball has been played and especially postseason baseball, and for that to be only the ninth player ever to do something like that, I mean, that's just, that's big. That That is something that, you know, we might not ever see in our lifetime again. Yeah, that's that very impressive, and especially for a guy who, he's a good player who wasn't a, he was a, a good prospect. He was, I think he was top 100, but he wasn't one of those elite, elite prospects um, to come up, and he's been a really good catcher. He, he's kind of under the radar a little bit because of the depth of the Dodgers, but he's a uh, he's a really good player, and, um, you know, a young guy, to, he's going five for six in the playoffs, a couple doubles in that game, very impressive. Um, another guy who was very impressive in the series, in my opinion, was uh, Cody Bellinger. Um, obviously, we talked about that catch he made, but he had a good day. He had a good series at the plate, which is really big for the Dodgers because he's a guy that you know has been okay this year, but he hasn't lived up to his uh, MVP standards that he set last year. 
So uh, in this series, he hit 333 with a 429 uh, on base percentage, a 750 slugging percentage, a 1179 OPS. He had five RBIs, um, had a home run. He, he looked good in the series at the plate, which is a, a very, very nice development for the Dodgers because he's a guy that they needed to get going. Yeah, they need they need MVP Bellinger back from last year. And uh, he's always struggled in the postseason, really. Um just something about that moment, and I mean, he really struggles sometimes to catch up to that high fastball. Um, so this is this is a big series for Cody, not only defensively, but being able to put it together at the plate. Um, if, if the Dodgers want to go on and, and be very successful in this postseason, they're going to need Bellinger to keep playing like this. Yep, they, they sure so, do. Uh, so. Next, we'll, we'll go. Uh, yeah. We'll move on next to the uh, Astros and the A's series. Um, what did you think of this one, Damian? My notes for this series is offense, 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 and more offense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that's pretty much this. I mean, they were outrageous. We, we came in talking last week about how, you know, the A's pitching staff, they, they have a chance to be very, very good, and they did not put that together. Um, so they did not – the Astros team slash line. This isn't just one player. This is the team slash line. They hit in the series 322. They 388 on base percentage, a 594 slugging percentage, and a 982 OPS. That 982 OPS would have been like top 10 in baseball for an individual this season. And this team put this together in a four game series, which is crazy. And the A's weren't that far behind. The A's had a 269 batting average, a 327 on base, 575 slugging, and a 901 OPS, which is extremely elite. Typically, a team that puts up that slash line in a postseason series wins in a sweep. So this series had a lot of runs scored, and it was wild. Um, one thing that uh, we wanted to talk about on the pitching side, though, uh, actually two things. But the first thing is Framber Valdez looked pretty good. Um, this is a guy that we talked about last week in the wild card series. Um, and he in this in this series uh, looked really good. Yeah, he had a uh, seven innings, five hits, two runs, one walk, um, four strikeouts. Um, you know, we had talked about him coming out of the bullpen against Minnesota and being very good, and how you know we didn't know if they were going to start him or they were going to start Urquidy, um, and they they went with Valdez, um, and it turned out to be a very good decision. Yeah, for sure. And and Valdez, um, one interesting nugget about his start, he had a uh, 13 in play outs, um, which weren't that weren't strikeouts, and um, and 11 of them were on the ground. He had 11 ground ball outs in this game, which is pretty solid. And that's something that's important for Valdez to get the ball on the ground. And uh, as you mentioned before the show, Damian, that uh, the A's are a pretty launch ankle uh, heavy team, so that's really impressive for him. Yeah, they're they're no a team known for wanting to get the ball in the air. You know, you just look at a a Chris Davis, Ramon Laureano, a Matt Olson. I mean, Marcus Simeon. I mean, he even struggled quite a bit in this series. Um, you know, obviously they didn't have Matt Chapman, but that's another guy. Uh, so for for Famber to be able to get eleven of those outs on the ground, that is a big big deal. And I mean, that's a reason why he was very successful. Because um, also. Watching these games versus the Astros and A's happened in the middle of the day. Um, and middle of the day games, they were actually playing at Dodger Stadium as part of the bubble. The ball was flying out of that oh ball. Oh my gosh, it was. Um, that's why we'll talk about uh, with the, that ball. To be able to put the, those on the ground, 
with the ball traveling the way it does in the air in Los Angeles during the day, that is very, very big for them. Um, yeah, for sure. And just kind of branching off of the, you know, the ball in the air and then traveling a lot. We'll talk about Zach Grinke's game four start, um, which he gave up four runs. A little interesting nugget. I mean, we find it funny, but there was one pitch to Ramon Laureano. Uh, he put up a little two before he threw the pitch, and everybody thinks that he was, you know, calling that he's going to throw a curveball. He actually threw a slider, but on that pitch, Ramon Laureano hit it out of the ballpark uh, for a home run. It actually was a go-ahead home run at that point. But I just I saw this little joke going around that like Grinky's just showing the Astros it is beneficial when the hitter knows what pitch is coming. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, I don't. We'll, we'll talk about it real quick. I don't know what he was doing with that for sure. Um, I have been told that he likes to signal uh, to the catcher when there's a runner on second base, so he can get, you know, that he can communicate with the catcher a lot quicker. He doesn't like to wait very long with a runner on second, but that they change their signs when there's runners on second like constantly. So he's not really he's telling the catcher what pitch he's throwing, but he's not telling the. Um, He's not telling the, uh, the 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 hitter. The hitter wouldn't know because the signs are different. So um, I thought that was interesting. And uh, you know, if the if the signs were figured out by the guy on second, that could very well tip that pitch. So um, that was definitely uh, that was definitely weird. I don't know what you thought about that and and why he thought he was doing that because that that is that is kind of weird. But uh, it makes sense that you don't want to you don't want to have a guy on second uh, too long. So. Yeah, honestly, I didn't think that he was telling Ron Laureano which pitch was coming. Honestly, I just thought that they, he was maybe telling him that, like, he's going to switch to the second set of signs. So, like, the catcher's putting down fingers, but then if he, like, the catcher knows, like, hey, I'm going to put down a one for a fastball, well, maybe on the second set of signs, the one is the slider. Yeah. Um, so maybe I just, I think he was just saying two to tell the catcher, like, hey, we're going with the second set and not just, like, hey, I'm going to throw a curveball. Um, but it, it is interesting. I mean, nobody will ever know. I mean, unless you ask Zach Grinke, he'll uh, he'll tell you straight up what he was doing. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. But <laughs> I mean, this the the name of this series was just offense, offense, offense. I mean, the, we'll talk about the player of the series was Carlos Correa, who had a 500 batting average on here um, and an on base percentage of 61 percent. 61 percent of his at bats he got on base. That is, I mean, that is unheard of. Uh, he had he had a 1754 on base plus slugging. He had 11 RBIs in this series. If you're talking about a series that went what four games? Four game yeah. series, 11 RBIs. So he's averaging that, over. He's averaging almost three RBIs a game. That is, uh, that's that's unworldly. Oh, absolutely, and uh, three home runs too. So. Um, the other guy, uh, I wanted to mention real quick that uh, Jose Altuve had a really good series too, and and obviously Correa was their best player and their MVP of the series. But Altuve had a 400 batting average in this series, hit a couple home runs, a uh, 1.326 OPS, which is off the charts. And uh, this guy, um, it's a guy that struggled all year. He, he had a little injury he dealt with for a few weeks, and. Uh, he never got it going this year. He's looked lost at the plate at the time, especially in the wild card series. Outside of one at bat where he drew a bases loaded walk, he just looked completely lost. And um, it is very important for the Astros if they get this guy going because he was a former MVP. He's a really good player, and they need him going if they're going to move on after the uh, after this series. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk about more about Altuve and that Astros lineup um, when we start previewing 
the uh, ALCS. But to jump over to who they will be facing, uh, we're going to talk about the Rays versus Yankees series. Um, this is this is going to be the series that is the best out of this round. Um, and if it had not been for the game five in this series, we would have been saying that that game two versus Dodgers Padres would have been the game of the series. Um, but the Rays pitching allowed 20 runs in five games, uh, which is an average about four runs per game. But I think we said what seven. I think it was six or seven of those came off their bullpen in game one. Um, yeah, game one was a big struggle for the bullpen. I think it was I think it was four or five, but um, the, the Yankees won game one nine to three. And you think about it, nine of the Yankees' runs scored in this series were in game one. So um, that was a that was very you know obviously a very good series for them uh, for the Rays pitching. A uh, little nugget too that. Um, 18 strikeouts a game two for the Rays pitching, which is crazy. I know you said Tyler Glass now had 10, and uh, their bullpen is is really good. So um, this this pitching performance from the Rays was very impressive. It was the key to the series. Yeah, I mean, just jumping off how good the Rays pitching has been, this will tell you how good a, this one of these batters have been. Is John Carlos Stanton had three home runs in this series in three different games. I know one of them he had a he had a, a two home run game, wasn't it? Yeah, he had four home, but, uh, four homers total in, in three different games. He homered, but he had he had a streak of five games in a row because he had homered in the last two of the wild card or the two games they won in the wild card series, and then three in this one. So he had a five game streak of home runs, which is uh, in the playoffs. It's that's a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Stanton looked really good, and um, you know maybe this is a sign of things to come here coming up. You know maybe next year if Stanton can stay healthy. I mean he obviously looked the part of being able to be very, very, very productive still uh, after the beginning of this series. And uh, he was incredible. And uh, he really, honestly, was probably the best hitter in the series. Although our player of the series is on the Rays because they won. And that player is Randy Arozarena, who was absolutely spectacular. Three homers. He hit 421 with a 476 on base, an 895 slugging, and a 1.371 OPS. He and, and he just continued what he did in, in the uh, in the wild card series. He was he was great there too. Um, this is a guy that they got in a trade back in I believe it was before the season. For yep. um, they traded for Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarina. They gave up uh, Matthew Liberator, who is a left-handed pitching prospect. I think he's like the 61st ranked prospect on um, on MLB.com on MLB Pipeline. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure on that number, but he's um, but Randy Rosarina has been absolutely worth it. He's he's carried the Rays offense at times throughout this postseason. Yeah, and honestly, he's probably the. I mean, he wasn't talked about when that trade happened, really. I mean, he, they just were counting him as kind of a throw-in. That the main deal was going to be for Jose Martinez, who the Rays have already turned around and flipped to the Cubs, yep. um, to give Rosarena more of a shot, actually. So uh, for him to to come in this series, I mean, he hit what he hit a homer off Garrett Cole. Um, yep. That was to, to start. Was it to start game? I think it'd be game one, yeah, because I think Meadows hit the homer off of Cole in game five, so. Yeah, I mean, I knew he hit one off Cole early in the series, um, which would have been game one, but, I mean, for a Rosarena to have this good of a series, um, you know, the Rays might have found struck gold again, just like they did with trading uh, Tyler Glass now, or getting Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows for Chris Archer, so we'll uh, we'll see, but another big part of this series that was uh, honestly the best part of the series was Chapman. 
Aroldis Chapman blowing it again, um, giving up a homer to Mike Broso, uh, which was the go-ahead homer in the eighth inning um, in game five. And actually a little nugget about that is that Broso is the guy that Chapman threw a fastball over his head earlier in the se season uh, that resulted in Chapman getting a three-game suspension, which is still pending and, and will happen next year. But uh, for Bro, it was kind of a little bit of revenge. So you're gonna throw a fastball over my head, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna turn your fastball around for a home run uh, in the playoffs and knock you guys out. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, the game five, the whole of game five was crazy. Uh, you had uh, coming up before that home run, you had Garrett Cole pitch game five on three days rest, and he looked great. Five and a third innings, one hit, one run. That only hit was a uh, was a home run for Austin Meadows. Two walks, nine strikeouts. Um, I mean, he looked great and, and he got, got the game to the Yankees bullpen. Um, the Rays started Tyler Glass now on two days rest, which is crazy. Um, and he came in and he pitched two and a third innings and looked good. Uh, he did walk a couple guys, but I mean, he was able to get the game moving along. And then um, the closer for the Rays actually entered in the third inning, which is crazy. Nick Anderson. Of course, the Rays are a team that mixes and matches their bullpen a lot. They don't always set rules for guys. A lot of times they just bring in you know, their best guy when they feel like it's a high leverage situation. So Anderson coming in that game in, in the third inning was uh, was really interesting. And it worked out for them because they got that game into a, a tied game in the eighth inning. And then the big home run, Mike Brusso, uh hit, hit off a of Chapman and gave them the win two to one um, that home run, a couple nuggets about it. That was the fastest pitch hit for a home run in 2020 at 100.2 miles per hour, according to Statcast. And uh, the only faster pitch ever hit for a postseason homer in the stack or in the uh, pitch tracking era, not just the Statcast era was uh, Nelson Cruz hit one off of Verlander in 2011. That was a uh, pitch that was thrown 100.6 miles per hour. That's from uh, Andrew Simon on Twitter, the one of the StatCast reporters. So I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, the one of the most improbable home runs you'll see uh, on that pitch. And that was a very, very impressive at bat to a 10 pitch at bat. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that, when you told me that that was the fastest pitch that had been hit for a homer in what, nine years, I was pretty surprised. Um, honestly, I thought that as hard as pitchers are throwing nowadays, that you know one would definitely be hit for a home run over 100 miles an hour. But uh, I mean, that was that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, I did know that we wanted to say as well that on one of the John Carlos Stanton home runs, we forgot to bring it up at that point. Uh, I think the exit velocity on one of them was like 118 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, which, it was crazy. Which, if you talk about a hard hit ball, they uh, they count that as like what anything over ninety five, I believe. Yeah, hard um, hit hard hit balls, according to you know the metrics and stuff, or anything hit over ninety five miles per hour is a hard hit ball. And um, if you combine the hard hit ball with with certain launch angles, there's like a graph that they show, and one eighteen off the bat. I think the launch angle is like twenty five degrees or something. That's so far off the charts. I, I don't even know it's on the graph. I mean, that's one of the hardest hit balls ever. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And he, it, it, he's Sean Carlos Stanton when he's healthy is one of the most impressive guys to watch because I know there's a lot of people out there that don't appreciate you know a lot of the home run hitting and and, and strikeouts and stuff in baseball right now but I don't know if there's anything more impressive than watching somebody hit a ball 118 miles per hour in a playoff game I think that's just crazy so dude I wish I was there to see that ball come off that bat because oh I mean gosh. if you watch if you watch a game in person you see just how how fast these balls come off the bat I could not even imagine what 118 looks like off the bat 
Um, oh, it's crazy. I can't imagine. So. So we ended up saying that the Rays won this one. In our predictions, you had the Rays in five, so you hit it right on the head. Uh, I had the Yankees in four. Um, so that sets us up to go on to our Rays versus Astros breakdown. Um, you're going to go with the Rays in five? Yes, I'm going with the Rays in five. The, uh, this is the ALCS um, the Rays. Uh, we thought we'd break it down a little bit. Um, I think the, the Astros pitching, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, the Astros pitching is um, – I know Framber Valdez has looked really good, but I don't especially believe in the Astros pitching be- behind him because Granky, while they, they need Granky to pitch really well in this series, Granky's really struggled so far in the postseason. Like I said, he, we talked about him earlier, gave up four runs in game two of the, or, uh, game four of the ALCS, or ALDS. And then he also, in, in the wild card series, he had a four walk to one strikeout game where he just didn't really look that good. He, he, he's not sharp. So um, I'm really worried about the Astros pitching in this series. Yeah, I mean, Christian Javier's looked really good as well um, for the Astros. Uh, if they can get a good game for from Urquidy, um, you know, we've already said what Fanber Valdez has been. Uh, I believe Zach Grinke will still be a, a solid pitcher. I don't know what that game for really was. I think it might have been just – Kind of the ball flying a little bit, you know. He gave up obviously that two-run home run to Loriano, and and if you look at his line outside of that, he would have only given up two runs, which wouldn't have been that bad. Um, so uh, the Astros pitching is going to be a question mark, especially out of that bullpen. I think it's more of a question mark than what their starting pitching would be, because I I really do think that if you have a starting pitching staff of Grinky, uh, Valdez, uh, Christian Javier, Urquidy, and uh, Lance McCullers that you that, that that's serviceable um, to get you into that but then you need a good bullpen and we're not sure what the Astros bullpen is really like um, you know we obviously know that the Rays pitching is very good um, they're they're top three with glass now Snell and uh, Charlie Morton is very good it, it's well enough to get this series done especially with their bullpen that they have um, you know outside of that blow up in game one the Rays bullpen has been very fantastic um, this year so it's really going to come down to what the the Astro hitters can do against this Rays pitching staff. Um, and just a wild card for this series that I have is what Alex Bregman are we going to get? Um, you know, Springer's looked good. Correa's looked good. Altuve looks good. Uh, and Brantley is, is just Michael Brantley. That guy can hit. But Alex Bregman is going to be a big key. They're going to need him to be a very good Alex Bregman if they want to beat this Rays team. Yeah, Alex Bregman, and he he showed some signs in the in the wild card series of uh, I mean in the division series of turning it around a little bit. But I really do believe that the Rays starting staff is, is the key to the series for the Rays, and, and it's the reason that I think they're going to win the series. Um, the Rays starting staff with with Snell, who pitched great in the wild card series, didn't pitch fantastic, but he was facing that tough Yankees lineup in the uh, in the division series. He um. He, I think he's going to be able to start game one because he didn't have to pitch in game five. So I think that's going to be a, a big factor for the for the Rays. And then you add in uh, Glasnow, who I doubt pitches game two because of pitching on that short rest in, in game five of the uh, of the division series, but maybe game three. And then moving Charlie Morton up, who, who Charlie Morton's had a little bit of a struggle this year. He had a four-plus ERA over the season, which – over the past few years, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. So you talk about Charlie Morton being over four, and you're like, is there something wrong here? Is he 
you know, this is kind of not Charlie Morton like, but this year uh, in the postseason he's been great. Uh, in, in game three he started and he, he you know he pitched a great game and so I think that the the Rays are um, in a prime position with their starting staff and the depth of their bullpen. We talked about in in the ALDS game five the fact that the Rays were able to go that whole game against the that spectacular Yankees lineup. Uh, and pitch a bullpen game basically because Tyler Glassdale on that short rest only went two innings. So, uh, and they were able to hold that lineup to one run uh, out of all that. So, um, you know, if they end up having to throw a bullpen game or throw an opener and have somebody like Brian Yarborough pitch, uh, that this is a team that it's gonna, it's gonna, I think it's gonna win this series. And I think uh, Randy Rosarina is the key for the Rays too. I mean, if he keeps hitting like he has, they're gonna be hard to beat. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, – for Charlie Morton, it's going to be his current team versus former team. Yeah. Um, he was on that Astros World Series team when they beat L.A. Um, but I, I I wanted to save this until in the podcast so I can get your blind reaction from it because uh, I know you're going to question me. But I am taking the Astros in seven wow. in this series. Um, I I – Something about that the way that this lineup has been hitting, they look very much like the lineup that won the World Series and went to the World Series last year. Um, I don't know, I, I I don't know what the pitching staff is going to look like, but I, I just have a feeling that the Astros are going to be able to put it together offensively, and that the you know they can if they can put it together offensively and their pitching staff be good enough just to hold this Rays lineup to a couple runs, um, you know, because the Rays lineup doesn't have any big studs in it. I mean, you have guys who are all solid, um, but they don't have anybody that's really outside of a Rosarena who's really like rosen up and be like, okay, I'm going to be the guy that carries this team. Um, and Altuve, George Springer, Bregman, Correa, I mean, any of those guys can rise up and just carry the team. Um, so I, I want, I want them to uh, to I have them winning in seven in this series, um, and you'll see a little bit behind my motivation of that in just a minute as well. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I don't know, I don't know about that. I, I think the Astros have had a good postseason. They're going to have to keep hitting like crazy though, because the pitching that they're about to face. I know they scored a lot of re- runs against the A's and and everything, but the A's had have their have had their issues with their pitching you know, especially in the postseason, you know, you, you end up facing Chris Bassett who had a good year, but isn't really kind of a brand name pitcher. His stuff's not that good. He's, he has to rely on having like pinpoint command, pinpoint control, a lot of movement on his pitches and he just didn't have it. Um, and then you look at past that, you, you, you know, Frankie Montas hasn't looked, hasn't looked very good. So, you know, they were able to put up five runs on him in game four, which, a lot of their stats, I feel like, were a little bit inflated by the fact that they faced a, a pitching staff that had been struggling. You know, they faced a rookie and uh, Luzardo um, in, in game two, so or game two or game three. So, um, I mean, I mean, I, I feel like the Astros' bats coming alive might be a little bit premature because they didn't do they didn't hit the ball very well in that series against the Twins. Even though they won the series, a lot of that had to do with the Twins struggling to score with runners in scoring position, and. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I think that the. I don't know if the Astros are going to be able to hit against the that, that Rays pitching. That Rays pitching is is really good. Yeah, they're coming off confidence. Um, I, I'm. I think that them getting some confidence back in their lineup is going to be. Uh, is going to be kind of like what they need. But I'm, I want to jump over to the Braves and Dodgers um, to just give this a little uh, backstory, because 
I am a known LA fan, but I honestly do think that the Dodgers will win this series. Uh, I, I'm going to have the Dodgers winning in five. Um, so I really picked the Astros because I want to see a Dodgers-Astros World Series with some fans in attendance. Um, I, I just want the payback. I want the revenge. Uh, and I really think that this Dodger team has that on their mind. So that is a big reason why I'm also picking the uh, Houston in seven. I do think that it's going to be a good series back and forth. Um, and it, I, I do think it'll go to a six or seven game series. Uh, but I, I want them to, to have to face the Dodgers in the World Series. So, but that's just a backstory of why I, why I picked them. I wanted to, to jump over to the Braves and Dodgers so we can kind of fill that narrative in. Um, but, but this Braves-Dodgers series, it's going to be a very fantastic one. It's going to be your team versus my team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, th- there's, these are the two best fastball-hitting teams in baseball, statistically. Uh, they have the two highest batting averages against fastballs. Um, so that'll be interesting because I know that, that the, the, both of these teams have pitching is pretty balanced when it comes to fastball usage. I think the, the Braves, you know, with, with Ian Anderson having that change-up and curveball, Max Fried being famous for his curveball and, and slider, um, and both of those guys are, are not super fastball heavy. They do throw fastballs, get ahead in the count, you know, maybe put people away late in the count, but um, but the, both of those guys are kind of known for their off-speed stuff. Um, and, and the Dodgers, uh, with Kershaw, obviously, is known for his off-speed stuff, especially later in his career since his fastballs dipped just a little bit. Although his fastball has been back to you know, at least the reasonably close standard to what it was back when he was the best pitcher in baseball. Um, so I think the Braves, uh, you know, the, the pitching depth is going to be the big the big key here. And and Kyle Wright had that great start in the NLDS where he pitched the six in six shutout innings. That was against the Marlins, though, and the Marlins' offense isn't the Dodgers' offense. So I'm still not super sold on Kyle Wright. As, a, as the three starter for the Braves, if he can put up that line that he put up in the uh, in the division series or something close to it, you know, even if it is one or two runs, I, I think that, that that could be a key to the Braves trying to win this series. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that. And, and I also think that Freed and Anderson, Freed struggled just a little bit in the NLDS. I think he'll probably be fine in the series. His stuff didn't look bad. His hits just, you know, the Marlins had some balls that kind of bounced through and, Got it strung a few hits together. Um, this, that'll be that'll be a big that'll be a big key here. Whether the Braves are able to use these young starters and and for the first two to kind of keep it going, but for that third one to to really be consistent with it and have two good starts in a row, which is something that's been a troublesome for him. And then beyond that, who are they going to even start game four? Because this game's going to go. This isn't a three game series like the last one. This isn't a two game series like their first one. They're going to have to start somebody game four and potentially game five that. It's probably not. It's not going to be Freed or Anderson or even Wright. It's going to be someone else. It's going to have to be like Bryce Wilson or Josh Tomlin, someone like that. And I would be worried about that. Yeah, and you know, it, for a key for this series too is which Walker Bueller are you going to get? Um, Bueller has been really struggling um, since he's came back from dealing with that blister with throwing anything not a fastball. Um, you know that curveball is really what causes his curveball and slider is really what causes friction on that finger for him to really pull it down and, and get the break that he needs on it. So either when he does throw it, he's not throwing it with as much confidence, and he's either spiking it into the ground or he's not getting enough bite on it, so it kind of hangs over the plate. So he's been really relying just on his pure fastball stuff, which his fastball is 
it is great. Uh, you know, it rises. It has a lot of a lot of finish to it and everything. But like you said, these are the two of the best fastball hitting teams in baseball. And uh, we've already seen Walker Buehler struggle against the Braves when he loses confidence in that off speed and he has to go to a fastball. Just look back to what was it, 2018, when Ronald Acuna, yep. Ronald, Ronald Acuna hit a grand slam against him. What was it, in the second inning, I believe? Yeah, yeah, he had walked. He had actually walked the bases. Uh, walked Sean Newcomb, the pitcher, with the bases loaded, giving Sean yeah. Newcomb a little bit of a taste of his own medicine with walking people with the bases loaded. But um, he had walked Sean Newcomb, and then that brought up Acuna, who he threw four straight balls to, but the umpire called ball four a strike for unknown reasons even though it was about a foot above the strike zone and ronald lacuna said well i don't really care and he hit a home run after that in a grand slam so um yeah that was really crazy but so but yeah, what, what, I, I agree with you on walker bueller um he's gonna have to throw um he's gonna have to throw something other than a fastball to the steam yeah and he, he's got a lot away with it a lot and then which cody billinger is going to show up we've talked about him having a great series against the padres um you know he had that great big catch and he, he looked good at the plate but he's not – sometimes he struggles against hitting that fastball up in the zone. Um, so maybe if he's facing, you know, Freed and Anderson who are able to throw more change-ups or more sliders or more curveballs to him, maybe that helps Bellinger stay locked on a little bit. Um, so it, he's going to be a big key. Obviously, the Dodgers have the experience in this lineup, and they have a lot of depth in this lineup. Um but Bellinger is going to be a guy who is right in the middle of that. You know, they've dropped him in the order a little bit, but this team is a lot better when Cody Bellinger continues being MVP Bellinger, and if he's not really like what we saw in 2020, Cody Bellinger. Right, and um, just a couple other notes for us here. Um, you talk about that experience, and this is experience that has played in two World Series, played in a lot of big postseason games. The Braves haven't really been that deep in the postseason. They've been there, but this is the first time they've been to the NLCS in 19 years. So that's something that, you know, the Braves, what's this moment going to feel like for the Braves? And none of the players on the team, obviously, with it being 19 years, have ever been in this situation. Um, and, and one other thing that I wanted to mention about, you know, in the Braves' favor is that the Braves have faced a lot better pitching in this postseason than the Dodgers have. I know the Dodgers have scored a lot of runs, but you face the Padres without their two best pitchers or without their best pitcher and then Clevenger being pitching one inning and being hurt. Um, the Braves have faced – these are the five pitches, the pitchers the Braves have faced in the postseason. Trevor Bauer, Jose Castillo – I'm sorry, Luis Castillo, um, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez. That's five really, really, really good pitchers, and the the best pitcher that the Dodger uh, the Dodgers have faced has been uh, probably Brandon Woodruff of the of the uh, Brewers. But other than Brandon Woodruff, who is a really good pitcher, I mean they face like Suter from the Brewers. They faced um, they faced Davies, who but Davies is pretty good, but he's not like some of these guys the Braves have faced. They faced uh, a bullpen game against the Padres in Game Three with I think Marihan started, um, yeah. and then the game where Clevenger started, but he went out after uh, an inning because of the injury, and he also had no command with three walks in that in that game. So. Um, that's something that the Braves have been facing. Even though the Dodgers have scored some more runs than the Braves in the postseason, the Braves have faced a lot better pitching. So how could that factor in here? It's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, and, and L.A. really is – they don't really jump on you fast, um, which is very – it's very weird because the last couple of years they've been a team that would strike very fast and then 
you know, they would be good the rest of the game. But this is a team that they like to work the counts a lot, and they like to, you know, make you make a mistake. But if you look at a lot of their games, they're the best team after six innings in scoring runs. They score a lot of their runs from the sixth inning on. Um, so, you know, they're going to be where these, these starting pitchers for the Braves, that they can get going, get on a roll. But when you get into that bullpen, the Dodgers aren't going to be able to score all those runs. The Braves have a very, very good bullpen. Um, so it's going to be a it's going to be a, a contrast of, of can the Dodgers score some runs early rather than trying to score some runs later in the game. Yeah, and it's it's that's a, that's a very interesting point because the Braves are very good at scoring late in the game too. I think both teams have a lot of comeback wins, a lot of late inning wins, um, several walk off type wins. Uh, whether it's uh, well, last at bat is probably the better way to put it. Whether you're home or away, but uh, both of these teams are pretty clutch late in games. And um, I think it's interesting too in the series that, and and we can talk about this for a minute because I know you don't disagree with me on this, but um, I think that this is a good contrast in lineups. I think that the Braves bring four guys who are, you know, that their top four is better than the Dodgers' top four in the lineup. Like, I think Acuna, Freeman, Ozuna, and Darno being the top four in the lineup, I think that's a better top four. I think the, the elite of the lineup is, is better. The Dodgers' lineup is so deep, and that's a good contrast because it'll show whether a team that's, more suited for having the the top four in their lineup be just the top four hitters like three of the three of the Braves top four hitters were top five in baseball and OPS this year over all of them over 1.1 and then the Dodgers have this deep lineup because you look at the Dodgers top four and you're thinking about you know Seager, Bellinger, Betts, maybe Justin Turner but after that they've got you know, Will Smith and they've got Chris Taylor in there all the time. They got Max Muncie, who's been a really successful player. So you talk about that being a deep lineup versus a top heavy lineup because the Braves just can't match up with that depth. You know, you end up going to Marcakis, who's been pretty mediocre this year, although he's been an important player for the Braves. He's, he hasn't been great. And you've got, you know, Austin Riley's in there, who's been inconsistent. And so it, it's, it, I think that's a very interesting contrast to styles here, too. Yeah. I mean, I like you said the Dodgers lineup is deeper, um, and I don't know. I mean, obviously Darno and Ozuna have been very fantastic this year, but they haven't always been that way. Um, so, how are they going to fare against this Dodgers team? Who, you know, like you said, it, it's deeper and that they just don't give up any at bats. Uh, you know, the, the bottom of that Braves lineup really does. I think, personally, Mookie Betts, you know, you, you, you're talking about the top four. I think Mookie Betts, Seager, Turner, and Bellinger are, is a better top four. Maybe that's just my, my personal fandom of the Dodgers coming into play there. Um, but you do make a good point about the lineups being the Dodgers lineup being deeper. I mean, you didn't even mention AJ Pollock, who had 16 oh, yeah. home, yeah, 16 home really runs this season um, and, and been a very key part of this lineup while the people have been struggling. Yeah, for uh, sure. But we also wanted to throw out to you guys that um, me and Matt are going to have a bet on this series. Um, so the loser has to buy a shirt from the other team. We have to wear it, take a picture, and post it on all of our social media platforms mm. and make it our profile picture for at least one week. Yep, so um, I was a little bit hesitant about that because I don't like showing my non 
I don't like showing anything that makes me makes people feel like I'm not a Braves fan on Twitter. But uh, I'll uh, I'll have to uh, I guess I'll have to do that if we lose. Um, and uh, Damian will be wearing a Ronald Acuna jersey here next week, so that'll be nice. Uh, yikes about that one, Chief. <laughs> so uh, uh, so our pick our picks for this series at, at the end of it. Uh, we're I think we're both picking the Dodgers. Uh, I pick yeah. I'm picking the Dodgers in six. I, I just I just don't like I say with that Braves pitching depth. I just don't know. I just don't know if they're going to be able to to hold up for a seven game series. I picked I picked the Dodgers in five because I very much think that if they can take one of the two against a Freed or a Anderson, um, that they the Braves just don't have the starting pitchers to match up after that. Um, you know the Dodgers can throw Tony Gonsolin, they can throw Dustin May, they can throw Julio Urias. Um, you know if they put Alex Wood on this roster, they could throw him, which I don't I don't really expect. But you know Kyle Wright's looked looked good in the playoffs so far but he has a history of not looking good same with bryce wilson you know is it going to be josh tomlin after that or are they going to go to like a tukey toussaint maybe i mean who who knows where they're going to go um and i just think that this dodgers lineup you can't really throw a guy like that and expect to really shut them down and, and win i mean you guys have a fantastic bullpen but are you guys gonna be able to keep that up for three straight games maybe right um, so I'm going to pick the Dodgers in five. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, yep. That wraps up our um, championship series prediction video. Um, the series might be over by the time we talk to you next week, or they might not. Um, just really depends. I believe if they get a game seven of the ALCS, it will be. I believe that would be Saturday, right? Would it be Saturday? I think I think it would. Yeah. And the NL, NLCS would be Sunday. Yep. So if if it goes seven games between the Braves and Dodgers, it will be a week from when we are talking to you guys. Um. So, and then after that, the World Series starts on Tuesday. So we will uh we'll definitely have our uh, our next episode out before that point. But uh. Absolutely. It'll be fantastic. There's gonna be a lot of fun baseball. Once again, you know, pay attention to our Twitter account. We will uh, the Batflip podcast. We'll be trying to keep up as much as we can on these games, uh, giving you guys the updates that you guys need to know. Um, our personal accounts. I'll be I'll be t- personally tweeting about the Dodgers, and I know Matt will personally be tweeting about the uh, the Braves versus Dodgers series um, from the Braves perspective. So, if you want a, a mutual perspective, look at the account. If you want to know what I think about the Dodgers, look at mine. You want to know what the Braves, look at Matt's. Uh, but Anything else you want to finish up on? Um, that's pretty much it. I'm uh, I'm super excited. You know, like I say, as a Braves fan, having not had my team there in, in 19 years, you know, I'm only 24 years old. So the last time the Braves were in this position, I was five. So I was really too young to understand what it was. So this is uncharted territory for me, and I'm really excited for this. I I don't full I don't expect the Braves to win this series. But you know what? It's been a successful season anyways for them because they're going up against a great team. If they lose, they're losing to a great team. Um, and and the, the, the ability to get the monkey off their back and win that postseason series, especially an NLDS series, it's not just like a, a three-game wild card, is, um, has been very good. So um, I'm, I'm excited for it, and I, I can't wait to get, get, them, get them started here on Monday. So it's going to be a blast. Yeah, I can't wait for you to be wearing a Clayton Kershaw uh, shirt. So, uh, hey, I like Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> well, that will wrap it up for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys next week.
right, thanks guys.